0: So let's begin with kind of a theme verse that I've set aside, Luke 18, 1. And this is Jesus' words. He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. That men or people always ought to pray and not lose heart. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, Paul talks about the, the armor, the believer's armor. He goes through that passage and then at the end of that, he says in verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. Now, you know, Dr. Malky that many of y'all remember, he used to believe that supplication was specifically praying in tongues because it's praying in the spirit, in numati, in the Greek. Praying in tongues. But what I wanted to pull out of this, it says praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer. With all prayer. The term there in Greek, um, some think it, 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 it could be translated with all types of prayer. Praying with all different forms or types of prayer. And, I, you know, that is helpful in understanding prayer, I think, to see that there are different types of, there's different ways of praying, okay? There's a prayer of intercession we'll talk about today. There's a prayer of agreement where we agree with somebody on a certain thing. Jesus said, if any of you touch and agree on a certain thing, it shall be done. There's a prayer of faith that we just ask and pray the prayer of faith. There's a laying on of hands, anointing with oil. There's there's a prayer of consecration, not my will, but Thine be done, Lord. Do whatever you want to through me. That's kind of layering ourselves on the altar before God. Um, So there's different. We can look at prayer as different facets or different types of prayer in the New Testament, and I think it's interesting. Amen. But today I want to focus on the prayer of intercession, and I think um, all of us are called to pray. All of us are called to intercede. I do believe certain people have special grace as intercessors. They're wired that way. They have a special grace for that. And uh, we honor that in the body. I, I do think everybody's called to win souls. Some have the gift of evangelism in their life, maybe a special grace into the soul-winning aspect. So, But all of us are called to pray. All of us are called to intercede. All of us are called to stand in the gap for other people. Amen? Amen. Bible talked about the need for an intercessor in the Old Testament. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 59 that he saw there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness, it sustained him. So God looked, is there anyone who can stand in the gap between humanity who's broken and fallen and a holy God and came, come to find out there was really no one except God himself? So God came in the form of a man, Jesus Christ himself, and Jesus became the great intercessor, the go-between between humankind and God. Even Hebrews says this much. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 24 said, But he holds his priesthood permanently, talking about Jesus, because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So he always lives to make intercession. He's always the intercessor. Hallelujah. Paul said in Romans 8, verse 34, Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died, more than that was raised who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Jesus Christ is the great intercessor. But also the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a help in our intercession. Paul went on to say earlier in that passage in Romans 8 verse 26, likewise the Spirit helps our weaknesses for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So now we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, God Himself living in us, who prays through us, because He knows exactly what we need to be praying, and He knows the perfect will of God when we pray. So when we pray in the Spirit, we're praying the perfect will of God because the Spirit is God praying through us back to God. That's just super cool. Amen? That's just super cool. Now, in the Old Testament, there's a term for intercession. It's the term pagah in Hebrew. And pagah simply means to meet. That we have a meeting with God and we come before God And we intercede to God, and we stand in the gap between God and others. We meet with God to bring about a reconciliation between God and those we're praying for. Dutch Sheets said in his great book on intercession, another aspect of intercession involves establishing boundaries. Establishing boundaries of protection through prayer for us and for those loved ones we're praying for. Like when we pray the Psalm 91 prayer over people's lives. It's like we're setting aside boundaries saying, devil, you can't come over on this territory. We're we're praying this blessing into the lives of those we're praying for. Remember Jesus? He came up to Peter and he said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. In other words, Satan was going to take he was trying to take you out, but I interceded for you, and I set some boundaries that he couldn't cross. So what is the role of an intercessor? i want to give you four different things today that speak to the role or task of an intercessor, okay? First of all, the intercessor occupies what I'm going to call the middle ground, and I'm stealing those words from Dr. Doug Small, but he, we occupy the middle ground. The middle ground between earth and heaven. We as intercessors occupy the middle ground between earth and heaven. All right? We intercede. Webster's Dictionary defines intercede as to go or pass between. It's the act between parties with a view to reconcile those who differ or contend. Doug Small, and I know some of you are attending his conference in Dunn in a few weeks. Um, Doug Small said, our intercession often tends to be self-serving though. We trade prayer requests concerning one another's aches and pains. And that's only the edge of intercession. In contrast, intercession's uncomfortable middle wrestles over the souls of lost people. It interferes with Satan's plans and purposes. So we should pray for one another and our needs and hurts and aches. But intercession goes deeper. Intercession goes into that uncomfortable middle to where we stand in the gap for other people and cancel Satan's assignments over their lives and pray the perfect will of God happen in their lives. In the book of Daniel... There's something that happens in Daniel chapter 9 that's, that's absolutely profound. And I want, I want you to turn over there with me. Daniel chapter 9. And I want to, to read some of this passage. And I'm going to ask a question that I've been wrestling with myself. Daniel chapter 9 says in verse 1, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent Mede who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books... The number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. What's he saying? Daniel said, I went back to the prophecies of Jeremiah, opened them up and began reading. And I noticed that, see, Daniel was in captivity with the rest of Israel and he said, I was noticing that all this captivity was to come to an end in 70 years. I read that in in the books of Jeremiah. And so it thrust him into intercessory prayer when he read that. So then it comes down into verse 3 and he says, Then I turned my face to God. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking Him by prayer and pleas for mercy, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled and turning aside from Your commandments and rules. And we have not listened to Your servants, the prophets who spoke in Your name to our kings and our princes and our fathers and all the people of the land. To You, O Lord, belongs righteousness. And He he goes on and He repents for the sins of Israel. He identifies as an Israelite and repents for all of them. That's what we call identificational repentance. And some don't believe in that, but I think it's evident in in the books of Daniel and Nehemiah especially, where those two guys went to the Lord on behalf of their people and said, Lord, we repent on the behalf of our people. Now granted, when you and I stand before God at the judgment seat, we're going to give an account for our actions and our words. But in terms of intercession, we go before the Lord on the behalf of other people. So I can go to the Lord as an American and say, Lord, I repent on behalf of America and the sins of America. Well, you may say, well, Hans, you're not committing those sins. No, but I am an American and I stand in solidarity with my nation and bring them before the throne of God and say, Lord, forgive us collectively of our sins. And this is what Daniel is doing. And what happens as a result of this? Notice in verse 20, it says, While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God while I was speaking in prayer the man Gabriel, an archangel. The man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice and he made me understand, speaking with me and saying, Here's what the angel said. Oh Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I've come to tell it to you, for you're greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. And then he begins to give him this understanding of the 70 weeks. And this is where many of you have studied end-time prophecy and eschatology. You've studied the 70 weeks of Daniel. This is where it comes from. It's what that Gabriel starts unlocking for him. But my question is this. He went before the Lord on behalf of his people. He took before the Lord the prophecies of Jeremiah. And he presented them before the Lord and he wanted understanding. And then God released an archangel to come and give him the understanding. And then the nation of Israel sometime after this was taken out of captivity and brought back into the promised land. And God did fulfill the words of Jeremiah. That's right. So what's my question? How much, how important was it that Daniel interceded? Was God just going to do all this? He's just going to fulfill the words of Jeremiah. Everything's going to be done. People are going to go back at a certain time. God's got it on His calendar. And everything's just going to happen like clockwork. Or was God looking for someone? to come before him and intercede and take the middle ground between heaven and earth, between heaven and the people of Israel, was God looking for that person to come and pray and intercede and, and unlock heaven and cause an angelic release to happen to where an angel comes and unlocks the the revelation of what the 70 years of Daniel was. I don't know. Go home and think about it. Meet me online Wednesday night. I think about these things because sometimes we've been taught so much sovereignty that, that prayer becomes not necessary. That God's just going to do what God wants to do and he's, going to do, he's got a time for everything to happen and all the nations are going to obey His command at a certain point and it's just like a timer on the microwave. At 2 minutes and 40 seconds your popcorn's going to be done and it's all going to come out just like that. Or does does God also understand, which I think He does, that in, in the working of His plan, there have to be people who come as intercessors and take the middle ground between heaven and earth and declare things and prophesy things and speak things and ask things and intercede for things and do things. God is calling us to the middle ground of intercession between heaven and earth. And Daniel's prayers, I think I can safely say, shifted that nation's destiny. Though God already had it in his mind. God had already prophetically said it through Jeremiah. But nonetheless, Daniel caused it to shift gears. Look in the book of Nehemiah. Y'all hang on with me. I know it's difficult to preach with a food mandate staring over our shoulders. But you're going to be okay. You're going to be all right. Look at your neighbor and tell them, it's going to be okay. In the book of Nehemiah, in chapter 1, Nehemiah is a cupbearer to the king. And so the cupbearer was a pretty cool job because I think you had job security and you you were in the king's presence every morning. The only negative was, if anyone tried to poison the king, you died. Because you drank the poison first. But other than that, it was a great job. So what happens? One day, Nehemiah hears the report of his home country, Israel. And he hears that the nation of Jerusalem That it's in disrepair that the walls of the city have been decimated and that the people are exposed to their enemies. And the Bible says in chapter 1, verse 4 of Nehemiah that when he heard this, it sent him to prayer. Just like when Daniel read the word, it sent him to prayer. When Nehemiah heard the report of Jerusalem, it sent him to prayer. And he prays, O Lord God of heaven the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to the and hear the prayer. And He begins repenting for His people, just like Daniel repented. He begins repenting as well. And, and long story short, He is then given permission to go back into Jerusalem and lead a delegation that reconstructs the walls around the city of Jerusalem. That happened through prayer It happened because one man determined to take the middle ground and intercede for his people in behalf of the king and his people. He took the middle ground and something happened and destiny shifted. Because God's plan obviously was to restore Jerusalem, but it took Nehemiah obeying the stirrings in his heart and obeying the compelling push to prayer. Someone has to obey the push to get into the middle ground. Someone has to call in the promises of God. Someone has to call in the prophetic words. Someone has to discern and expose and reveal the plans of the enemy. Someone has to proclaim and declare the truth of God. Hallelujah. Come on, you're in the middle ground today. Doug Small called it the uncomfortable middle ground we're in the middle ground amen second thing an intercessor does is an intercessor then in that middle position an intercessor stands there for others remember Abraham going to the Lord and standing between the Lord and Sodom and Gomorrah and he pleaded for his nephew Lot and he got God to change his mind on things powerful Think about 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Paul said, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead peaceable and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So the the kicker in this is God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, how do you do that? You have godly or peaceful governments that work as they should that provide a peaceful context in which we can preach the gospel to every people. How do we get that? You have godly people who pray that in. You have godly people who assume the middle ground and pray in godly leadership and shift governments through their prayers. What? I thought we changed things by gossiping about them on Facebook. Well, no, we changed things by getting in the middle ground and praying the will of God. And praying and God takes down kings and raises up kings and takes down presidents and raises up presidents and takes down governors and mayors and raises up governors and (laughs) mayors. Numbers. I'm, I'm, I'm plowing here, church, so just walk with me. There's a lot of great data in here. Numbers chapter 13. The Lord instructed Moses to send spies, scouts, into the Canaan land, the promised land. Twelve of these guys went out there. Ten of them came back with a no faith report. We can't do it. We can't take the land. We saw giants in the land. We were as grasshoppers in their sight. And all the people got stirred up. Two guys came back with a faith report. Joshua and Caleb. They came back and they said, we're well able to take the land. We saw the fruit. They came back with some of it on their shoulders. Caleb's like, I even spotted out a little cabin spot for me up on a mountain. I'm ready to do this thing right now. But the majority voted and the majority won. The unbelievers won. And then it says they began to complain, Moses, you've taken us out of the land of Egypt where we had plenty and you brought us out here in the desert to die. We would have been better if we would have just stayed back there and blah, 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 blah. And they just went on with this. And finally, the Lord says, Moses, step back. I'll destroy these people. I'll take them out, everyone, and I'll raise up out of you a nation that will obey me. And what does Moses do? What would most leaders do? Lord, I'll be back when you finished. Just let me know. But Moses didn't do that. Moses was a true intercessor with the heart of God for the people. So Moses came back and he said, Lord, the Egyptians are going to hear of this. And the nations around are going to hear this. And they're going to think, what kind of God is that? I mean, it's, it's a freaky conversation here. But the point is, he shifted the heart of God. Moses' intercession saved those hard-headed people and shifted God's intentions. That's what happens when we get in the middle ground and intercede on the behalf of other people. Think about 1 Samuel. Samuel went and he interceded for the people of Israel. And as he was interceding for them, the people of Israel heard the Philistines were coming. And they cried out to to Samuel and said, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord for us that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And so Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a burnt offering, and he cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. So here we have the prophet Samuel going to the Lord, making sacrifice and intercessory prayers on behalf of the nation of Israel, and God spares them from this attack of the Philistines. What happens when you and I pray for others? We step into the middle ground, the strategic middle ground, and we start praying the will of God, rebuking the schemes and attacks of the enemy, exposing the lies and darkness, and we make a way for those we're praying for. What is standing between revival in this area and this city? I, I have to think it's the church. It's us calling it. It's us declaring it. It's us prophetically speaking it. It's us praying it in. God come. You know, Billy Graham was known to have intercessory teams go before him sometimes a year in advance to certain cities and start praying. You know, Charles Finney had a compadre that worked with him that always went in. Unknown. Went to a room and began praying. Hallelujah. Some great men of God who have followed this pattern go hire a man of prayer that will start calling it in and organizing the intercessors. That paves the way for the move of God. What happens when the military goes into a certain nation and we have to go to war? Usually the first people we send in are special forces and air force. Why? Because we start with the heavenlies. We get up in the air and take control of the airwaves. That makes way for the ground troops. I'm telling you, intercessory prayer is the heavenlies. Intercessory prayer is the air force. That's where we go in and take control of the airwaves and let the kingdom of God speak and let the kingdom of God rule in the second heavens and then God's ground forces, you and I, can come in and do what we're called to do. So an intercessor occupies the middle ground. An intercessor stands for others. And an intercessor then wars against Satan's schemes. Notice Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. Paul is writing to the Colossians and he says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. Now notice these words. Always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. He's always struggling. The word in Greek is agonizomai, where we get the term agony from. Agonizomai, but it's translated contending or fighting or engaging in a conflict. That's how Paul described his intercessory prayers. That he's engaging in a conflict. That he's getting in the ring and doing warfare on their behalf. Dutch Sheets said in his book, Intercession, that the term pagah, intercession in Hebrew, involves warfare. It's translated attack or strike down or other warfare terms 15 times in the Old Testament. So we can't separate intercession from warfare. And we need to have an understanding of Satan's schemes. We're to be these pro-wrestlers. Okay, We're to be these pro-wrestlers. I thought I had some NWA fans or some (laughs) Ric Flair old leftovers or something in here. Aggressively and offensively dealing with the forces of darkness wherever the opportunity arises. So we go in and we represent or re-present the victory that Christ has already won. What am I talking about? I'm talking about, I have a, I have a friend, uh, my friend Randy Hill. His dad was a great intercessor. I'm talking great, legendary intercessor. And uh, someone was telling the story the other night, and if Randy's watching, maybe he'll correct me afterwards. But he said when he was young, he went out on a date with some girl. Randy will really correct me afterwards. <laughs> and evidently his mom and dad knew this wasn't, the one this wasn't good so he comes home several hours later and uh and his mom said your dad's been on his knees ever since you left come on that's a parent been on his knees ever since you left and and said that he sat down and told him everything he did that night because the lord done showed him in prayer That's a parent. Come on, somebody. That's sitting down interceding. That's getting in there and knocking back Satan's attempts on your child. That's getting in there and uncovering the schemes of the enemy. That's getting in there and binding them demons coming after to destroy your family. Come on. That's somebody getting in, calling down heaven's purposes on your children's lives. That's getting in the ring and doing warfare, aggressively contending for the faith. Come on, somebody. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you go, I read you Daniel chapter 9, if you go to Daniel chapter 10, he went to prayer again at another season under another king. And he prays for 21 days. And then at the 21st day, an angel shows up. And an angel said, we heard you in the first hour that you prayed, but I've been caught up with the prince of Persia, and so I called down Michael to help me to take care of that dude so I could get this message to you. Meaning, there are demonic principalities out there in the heavenlies doing warfare against us. But Daniel persevered in prayer and God brought the angelic visitation with the revelation that he needed. So keep on praying, my brother. Keep on praying, my sister. Keep occupying the middle ground. Even when you don't feel that this is the breakthrough you've been looking for, keep occupying that middle ground and don't give in an inch. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having your loins girt about, hallelujah. When you've done all to pray, pray more, hallelujah. Get in there and believe God. Declare His Word. Don't back down one inch. Come on, can somebody shout amen? amen. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, say it with me. I will not be intimidated by the enemy. Come on, say it with me. I will not be intimidated by the enemy. Years ago, I played basketball, and in my junior high, we played a team that we hadn't beaten in about 50 years. And these guys came, I'm an eighth grader, and they came and had a six foot six center in the eighth grade. And you know how you come out at the beginning of a basketball game and you're all doing your, your layups and your shots and everything and everybody's in, you're on one side of the court and they're on the other side? Well, these guys did a little bit then they walked up with that center in the middle and stood on the half court line and looked at us, yeah. And it was only to intimidate it. That's what Satan does. He doesn't have any more than that. He comes up. You know what we did? We just fought. We played hard and we fought. Got down to the end, down by one point. We got possession of the ball with a few seconds left. Coach calls a timeout. Set a play. Set a screen. Let this one come over. Get him the ball. Give him a shot at it. We do this. We just pulled off something incredible. You know what happened? He didn't miss. <laughs> That's <what> he missed. <laughs> Threw the ball out of bounds, set the screen. Guy shot it, went through the net, buzzer rang. We won the game. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why am I saying that? I just want to say it. But no, don't be intimidated by the enemy who stands at the half court line and just stares you down. It doesn't matter. Hallelujah. Come on. You got the goods in you. Yeah. Some of you guys will relate to this. I had a a dear friend in Chesapeake who was a a chief in the Navy and he was on a destroyer and they were coming through the Suez Canal after a long deployment coming home and they got a call, turn it around, go back to the Persian Gulf. We were going to to war the first time in Iraq. And he said they turned that thing around and uh, he said I looked at the captain and I said sir are you nervous? And I've told this before, but I just love it. And he said the captain looked at him and said, Nervous? What do I have to be nervous about? Do you realize how many Tomahawk missiles I'm sitting on? Do you realize how much firepower this destroyer has? Do you realize what capabilities we have? I'm like, All that, hallelujah. Come on, rave your hand and say, Do you realize what Holy Ghost authority is in my life? Do you realize I've been made the head and not the tail? Do you realize I'm a king and prince with him in the kingdom? Do you realize i got the same power in me that brought Jesus Christ out of the grave? Hallelujah. Do you realize I have the same word in me that the prophets of old had? Do you realize I have the same blood cleansing my life? Hallelujah. That flowed down Calvary's cross? Do you realize you got all the firepower you need to win every victory that comes your way? Come on, somebody give him a shout. Come on, give him a shout. Hallelujah. (laughs) Okay. One more thing and we're going to eat hamburgers and hot dogs. And this is, this is super powerful. An intercessor confidently approaches God. Okay, why? Hebrews 4.15 For we do not have a high priest which cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. Let us boldly come. Why? Because we have a high priest who knows everything we're going through has been tempted like we are tempted. And he's overcome it all. And now when we come before him, he understands and he takes action. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. And so now we've been made a kingdom of priests and a kingdom of kings in the kingdom of God. We've been made a kingdom of priests. We are now a royal priesthood. And the royal priesthood are those who go in the royal courts and minister before the king. Yeah, that's right. Revelation chapter 1. We've now become kings and priests for our God. So a king rules and a priest intercedes. A king rules and a priest makes sacrifices. A king rules and a priest goes before God for others. So now you and I are kings and priests. And even though we're common men and women, we still have authority in the earth realm. Because the Bible says in James chapter 5 that Elijah was a man like us with like passion. Yet nevertheless... He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three and a half months, or three and a half years rather, it did not rain on earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave the rain. Hallelujah. At the command of a common man who was anointed of God to do what he was doing. That's what kind of authority you and I have in the earth realm. Let me me show you this. Acts chapter 12. Peter is put in jail... And the church begins to pray and intercede. They take the middle ground of, of, of intercession. And they're praying for Peter. An angel is sent from heaven, unlooses Peter, unshackles him, and he's able to walk out a free man. Then in the next verse, or the next passage, King Herod has been so evil to the church that an angel is sent down and strikes him, and he dies, and worms eat his body. Now, what's the point of this? Who's really reigning and ruling? Is it King Herod? Is it the keepers of the jail? Is it the opposition to the church? Not really. It's really the church in the position of intercession is ruling. Hallelujah. It's the church that calls on heaven and storms heaven's gates that takes out a king. It's the the church that assumes the middle ground of intercession and begins praying and unlocks assignments of angels that go forth and unlock prison doors. I'm telling you, it's it's the church's job and it's the church's authority Authority to ring heaven's bells and unlock heaven and ascend, uh, give angels assignments and see God move in the earth realm. I don't think we realize who we are often. We don't realize what authority we really have. I told a story in the nine o'clock service that, you know, years ago, our youth, uh, Chase and Christina Grandstaff, showed our youth this, this, this documentary called Holy Ghost. And in it, there was a story of a, of a girl, a, a young woman, who was delivered from demonic possession. And she was supposedly a bride of Satan. She had been raised in a satanic cult her entire life. And she was raised to just for in rituals and all this kind of stuff and dedicated to Satan as one of his supposed brides. And these things happen, okay? So... There was a group that that knew this lady and she wanted to be set free and and so they called this, this other lady who was a deliverance minister and said, would you meet with her and pray for her? And the lady said, sure, we'll meet with her. She got a team around her of intercessors and she said the day that that bride of Satan came into her neighborhood, they felt the presence of evil coming into the neighborhood. And this lady said she walked up to the front doors And the doors blew open without anyone touching them and in walked this bride of Satan. And this deliverance minister, she said, I got up when I saw that and I walked up to her and got in her face and said, not today, devil. Come on, not today, devil. And she said, we proceeded to cast every demon out of her. She was set free and baptized in the Holy Ghost. And after that, and then they had to put her under an assumed name and like put her in protective, you know, kind of a protective undercover service so they could minister to her and disciple her. So so some years later, I thought, I know that lady's testimony has to be somewhere. So I went on YouTube and I found her testimony. And her testimony was this. She said that as as Satanists, they would go to church services and sit in the service and observe the pastor and and pick out weaknesses in his life and then send curses to him. So she said one night, her and her friend went to a Benny Hinn meeting and showed up to curse Benny Hinn. And she said during that meeting, they were sitting in the upper deck of a packed out basketball arena and said Benny Hinn walked out on stage, pointed up into the upper deck, and said there are two Satanists here tonight who've come to curse us, but I want you to know that your power has no authority in this building. One of you will be saved after this. She said it scared them so much it shook them to the bones. They ran out into the parking lot. They were drunk. They were drinking or drunk. They didn't know what to do. Later, that one got saved and came seeking for help. Hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, raise your hand with me and say, Satan, you have no authority in this room right now. We cancel every assignment in the name of Jesus off the lives of these people. Come on, say it with me. Satan, you have no authority in my family today. I cancel every assignment off my family. I am in charge here. I've been given the believer's authority. I've been given heaven's authority. And you have no power over us. Come on somebody, give him a shout. give him a praise, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, you go home and walk through your house and declare devil no more. You're not welcome here. I cancel your assignment off my house. This is the house of God. I am a king and priest in the kingdom and I declare my authority. I take the middle ground of intercession. I cancel every lie. I cancel every assignment. I break every curse. I send it back to hell where it belongs. Hallelujah. My property is free in Jesus' name. My family's free in Jesus' name. Even if you have wayward kids, call them back right now in the spirit call them back in the spirit I call you back in the name of Jesus son or daughter I call you back in the name of Jesus back into the plan of God black into the destiny over your life hallelujah. Woo, come on somebody shout hallelujah come on we call Elizabeth City into the original destiny God had for this place we call North Carolina into the original destiny that God had for it In the name of Jesus, a house of revival, a city of God on earth. Hallelujah. A place where people can come. You know, years ago, we're going to pray. Everybody stand with me. Years ago, I worked for Christian Broadcasting Network for a little span of time. And during that span of time, we had a dedication at Fort Henry in Virginia Beach. Cape Henry, whatever it's called. We went up there, and CBN had... Uh, put a put it like a, like a plaque there and a memorial there and a cross there to represent when Reverend Hunt came with the Jamestown Expedition. And one of the first things that happened was that Reverend Hunt with that crowd to settle America stepped off on the shores of Virginia Beach and planted a cross and said from these shores the gospel will go to the ends of the earth. From these shores. And we went up there with Pat Robertson and the gang and Bill Bright was there. And they just kind of rededicated the place to the Lord. Well, I'm telling you, we're close enough to that. I'm just going to latch on to that promise. And believe that God is destined. And it was declared that from these shores, the gospel will go to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. Fountain of Life is a part of these shores. We're a part of these shores. Years ago, I was in a meeting with an evangelist, friend of mine, before, before I ever pastored. And if I remember his words correctly, he said the Lord had showed him that great revival was coming back to America. And it would begin on the shores of the Carolinas. And then it would start as a tidal wave and wash all through America. So hallelujah. Can you lift your hand and say, even so, Lord Jesus, let it be done in our time, Lord. Lord, let a great move of God come. Let us be right in the eye of the storm in the Carolinas. We declare America shall be saved. Come on. We decree America shall be saved. We decree North Carolina shall be saved. We take the middle ground of intercession and we declare our rights that we we say America shall be saved. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. come on now every hand raised father we thank you for your word this morning thank you for the gift of intercession the power of intercession and lord i just pray in the name of jesus that you let this stir in us all week that you lead us to seasons of prayer lord that you lead us to seasons of prayer lord in the name of jesus where we get in that middle ground and it's no longer just about my needs and wants but it becomes about calling in the destiny of of our family, the destiny of our nation, the destiny of the nations, that, God, we start calling these things in, and I give you praise. Thank you for stirring the hearts of the folks in this room right now, stirring the hearts of the intercessors, God, for a fresh move of God in our lifetime, Lord. We will not go down without seeing a move of God. Hallelujah. It's my purpose on earth, Lord to see your hand move, your kingdom come. Your will be done in our lifetime. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, can we sing this? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast. And I hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, Jesus is the answer. I can tell you, He is the answer for your life. I'd love to pray with you before we leave here. So if you never accepted Christ into your life, or if you just have a need in your life, let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin, and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracle signs and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.